0: Welcome to Financial R&R, a show dedicated to financial insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Here are your hosts, Ron Bores and Ryan Farnsworth.
1: Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Ron Bores and I lead the financial institutions uh, industry vertical at Alliant. Uh, joining me today is Ryan Farnsworth and Steve Chappelle. You know, it's hard to believe that we're coming out of the, the first quarter of, of 2021. It seems like you blink and time is flying and you know, thought it would be a good opportunity here to just cover some of the things that, that we've observed uh, throughout the first three months of the year, focusing on just market conditions for, for financial institutions and, and some of the things that we're seeing there, uh, continuing to talk about SPACs. And, and how uh, you know, the SPAC uh, palooza, the SPAC uh, attack, the SPAC, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, continues to sort of be a hot button and, and sort of headline type uh, issue within uh, the insurance community. And then sort of talk about the recently released uh, SEC exam initiatives and priorities for, for 2021. So, you know, Ryan, why don't you, you kick us off? Where do we want to start?
0: No, I think I think you you spoke about it right. Where we're coming out of the first quarter now, and we've we've got 2020 well in our rearview, thankfully, right. And now we're focused on 2021 and what's ahead, and and what we're seeing in the market for for all financial institutions is an appetite for risk-based underwriting and looking at risks each and every submission and account on a, on a risk specific basis. And at least, you know, here at Alliant, as we try to help our clients find a more rewarding way to manage that risk, we are focused on ensuring that the underwriters are being held accountable for rate increases or coverage amendments that they're seeking to put on, on a lot of, you know, concerning risks that they have out there. The underwriter scrutiny has never been greater, but there are pockets of the financial institutions marketplace that are softer than others and others that require a little bit more underwriting, a little bit more focus, maybe a little bit more disclosure from clients. And I think that's the, the broader discussion that we have today it evolve, revolves around disclosure and, and uncertainty about what's ahead, right? SPAC has become a four letter word in the in the, mar, in the marketplace right now. As, as we think about how our clients are trying to manage their risk and, and, un, and help underwriters understand their risk profile, communicating that clearly to them and as we'll talk about communicating that risk clearly to the SEC and other regulators is something that we're going to be focused on as we go throughout 2021.
1: We saw a really challenging insurance market overall in 2020. You know, we, we started to see a lot of the same trends going into the first quarter of the new year. But but I will say, um, you know, we, we did uh, secure a decrease this quarter uh, in premium. Uh, there is a client that actually got a decrease. You know, we're, we're challenging the the broader market conditions we are not accepting things for a status quo we're, we're doing what our clients expect us to do which is going out and partnering with the right insurers and getting them uh, the best possible outcome at a fair price I, I think that's the key towards just managing the challenging environment right now we, we saw some some news earlier this week about you know some more mA activity occurring in, in the insurance carrier space which could certainly provide another sort of element of change relative to the market environment because we know is as, as certain larger insurance carriers potentially look to acquire midsize or smaller carriers, just taking less uh, capacity out of the marketplace could potentially uh, result in, in more challenging times from just a supply and demand perspective. But I think we just continue to be at it. I mean, I, I see our team working harder than ever, just out there working with clients, setting up meetings, trying to tell the story the right way, and just you know, really working our relationships towards the best possible outcome.
0: I think the regulators are are working as hard as ever too, right? The the Financial Stability Oversight Council met recently for the first time um, since the Biden administration took over and identified a lot of priorities that our clients are going to need to understand uh, going forward, right? They were focused on, you know, the importance of sharing data, identifying risks, strengthening the financial sector, you know, coming off of the, the heels of the GameStop situation, the Archegos capital management issues this week, uh, there's a, an intense scrutiny towards wall street and towards financial institutions you know being held you know held accountable but also being able to communicate those risks clearly is going to be crucial
2: yeah i mean it's a great point ryan right the sec for example has come out with its enforcement you know focuses for 2021 and then on the heels of that to your point right in the last week we've got archegos and the announcement of the SEC looking deeper into SPACs and requesting some details on fees and volumes and, and regulatory compliance, consistent with the, some of the guidance they had given, you know, a month or so ago. So the SEC is going to create, I think, some significant regulatory hurdles here going forward. You know, and the cry from Arcagos in the marketplace was, you know, th- this was a Regulatory failure, right? With with more regulation, with more oversight, you know, these these kind of events could could be prevented or mitigated, right? It remains to be true, right? It's you know these events happen. Um, it's not a regulatory oversight issue, but that's the cry from you know political response to the high profile losses and in on Wall Street.
0: And that impacts all all uh, DNO insurance policyholders too, right? I mean, I, I, there's there's a, a case could be made that if uh, more disclosure was was apparent in Arkego's investments, you know, perhaps the companies they were invested in wouldn't have made the decisions that they made with respect to their stocks and other uh, plans if those disclosures were known. And so it, it can benefit everyone. I think the one thing that our clients are asking us and asking themselves is what can they do from a policy perspective to prepare themselves for additional SEC scrutiny or additional disclosures. And and, and I think, you know, we can talk about that right now as we think as the terms and conditions have expanded, you know, since the last financial crisis and and since the last, you know, push for a culture of compliance within financial institutions, you know, coming out of uh, 2010, 2011, you know, we saw the coverage expand both for investigations as well as for the broader definition of claim. And uh, it's very important, even critical for our clients to understand what those triggers are within their policy and what they want them to be. and how, you know, Steve, I love to get your comments on this too, about how the notice provisions should should be uh, tied into those considerations. The SEC, you know kind of enforcement priorities
2: and the belief that there will be greater sec involvement presents some really interesting challenges one of the issues despite the kind of the broadening of the terms and conditions and the policies over the past few years you know one of the significant issues that continues to um, be in the marketplace is is the friction between The massive cost that um, issuers can sometimes incur in the face of SEC informal and formal regulatory investigations, which are occurring simultaneously to this, you know, some 400 shareholder class action suits that we see a year, and there and there's still a disconnect there. Um, And and just this week, there there was a decision um, issued out of the Southern District in New York, you know, addressing this very issue involving Hertz. Where you know the the opinion you know articulates some twenty seven million dollars in fees and costs that were the subject of this dispute as to whether. The SEC formal investigation constituted a quote securities claim as defined by the policy. And the court concluded that the entity did not enjoy any coverage for that SEC proceeding. So this is, you know, really highlights this issue that that you know kind of wax and wanes um, from time to time. And it really should put a spotlight on this issue again of in the face of, of SEC's kind of promised enhanced enforcement in 2021 and beyond. You know, looking hard at the potential costs that can be incurred, and and how can we cover those costs in the insurance policies, right? And there are products out there. Uh, they don't come cheap. They don't come free because there's, it's meaningful cover, as they just articulate. Twenty seven million dollars in expenses is a lot of money, but it really does highlight the importance of if thinking about and talking about you know how issuers protect themselves from you know what what can be massive costs in responding to SEC. investigations, both formal and informal, simultaneous to shareholder class actions or shareholder derivative actions. One of the things that I thought was
1: really interesting uh, on the the list of stated priorities was, um, I think for the first time, financial technology and digital assets we, we just uh, took some time earlier this week with our our team members leading that uh, initiative for us, Glenn Morgan, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, uh, that podcast, I would certainly encourage you to do so. Uh, we've assembled some great talent around the area of financial technology, cryptocurrency, uh, digital assets. Um, and And it's interesting to see the, the the commission sort of taking that as a as a, as a top uh, stated priority. Um, certainly, information security, as as many of you are aware, um, you know there was a big ransomware event occurring in the insurance industry this past week, and I know uh, you know that continues to shine a bright light on the fact that these types of things are continuing to happen. Uh, can happen to just about anybody and are certainly things that, you know, we need to make sure we're we're paying attention to. And, you know, listen, at the end of the day, these things are all moving the market. As much as I laugh sometimes when I hear underwriters say, you know, the market is changing by the day. I I, I find it hard to believe that the market is that fluid at times, but uh, I guess sometimes it really does feel that way with, you know, certain events happening that we know uh, will potentially impact risk evaluations and, and losses at the end of the
0: day. At the same time, I don't necessarily disagree with them, right? Unfortunately, it moves both ways, right? It's not always just moving up and up and up, and, and it is a market. And it's it's been interesting that even though there's been focus on these SEC priorities and, and other uncertainties ahead, it's still a competitive marketplace. And the reality is there's fluidity, as you said, M&A activity. Underwriters changing companies and changing jobs and and that creates competition, which moves the market both ways. And so similar to the SEC, as long as clients can be focused on what the identifying their risks and communicating those effectively to the underwriters, no one can complain about or should be able to complain about where the market dictates the price and, and the coverage available to them. Uh, Steve, your point was, was a great one. You know, there was a lot of focus on, on this, uh, this entity investigations cover back under the Obama administration, and everyone kind of took their foot off the brakes a little bit because, because so did the regulators. But now that it appears to be ramping up again, there are coverage solutions and discussions that should be had to address the risks that, that are, are presented by regulators.
1: So one of the things I wanted to just spend a couple of minutes on before we have to wrap things up is, uh, you know, Steve, obviously you, you, you're one of the leaders within our SPAC group, some recent press from the SEC this week about just warnings, informal investigations into that world. You know, we saw some articles this week. We know the underwriters have struggled with that risk tremendously. And you know, we saw some articles earlier this week that suggested um, alternative risk transfer, whether, you know, forming captives or, or other types of vehicles to help with the challenges associated with getting DNO insurance. for those. Folks who don't necessarily study this space the way we do, the captive one was a little interesting because I, I, I foresee some challenges. Right, for anybody that knows what a captive is, it's essentially a company um, funding and starting their own first-party insurance company for the purposes of managing their risks. And you know, just given how spacs are set up and, and the duration of a spac, um, I think that presents one big challenge. But but then you also have to think about the whole component of non-indemnifiable loss and, and whether or not. A SPAC could use a captive insurance company in order to fund a non-indemnifiable loss or, or fulfill an obligation to a director. So I don't know if you've spent any time looking at that, or, or you have any thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, it's it's an issue that I've spent a tremendous amount of time on, you know, in my career. Right, as markets have fluctuated and hardened over the years, right, we look hard at captive as a solution, and in the SPAC world, it, it presents a particularly challenging issue because one of the one of the problems with a captive is it it is likely in essence your own money um, even though it's somewhat regulated as a captive insurance company. And when you file for an S1 to take a spec public, the 33 Act requires an acknowledgement that you will not be indemnified for certain exposures of the 33 Act. So it, it's is actually one of the, kind of key exposures that um, drive the need for D&O insurance, particularly A-side D&O insurance, because a SPAC can raise $100 billion. But if the 33 Act and the SEC prohibits uh, the indemnification of a director that has signed an S-1, the individual director's uh, personal assets are at stake and would, would not be able to benefit from indemnification from the entity and likely from a captive. Uh, since it is, you know, it's once removed, but it is money that is put there by a captive. It would be be circular and likely prohibited by the SEC.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, we're just about out of time here. Uh, I really love recording these sessions. It, it reminds me how fortunate I am to have such great colleagues like you, Ryan, and you, Steve, and um, the work that we're doing for for clients. Certainly, uh, creating a more rewarding way to manage risk for our clients, without a doubt. We've covered a lot of topics here, and if anybody's interested in learning more uh, about that or hearing more, you can feel free to reach out to us or visit www.alliant.com. So with that, we'll wrap up uh, this, this uh, series, this session, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much.